How we doing, folks? My guest today is going to be Doug Foxley. Doug is one of the true power brokers in the state of Utah and has had his lobbying practice since 1978. In 2016, he was the co-chairman of the re-election campaigns of Governor Gary Herbert and Congresswoman Mia Love. He was the senior advisor for the 2012 Orrin Hatch re-election campaign and a senior advisor to the John Huntsman governor campaigns as well. He has served on the Utah State University Board of Trustees and was awarded an honorary doctorate from Utah State in May 2016. Doug is also a passionate traveler who's traveled to over 140 countries. I hope you enjoy Doug's journey of failures and successes along the way. And we're going. Mr. Foxley, thank you for uh, taking the time, sir. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Well, gee, I, I'm just honored you'd, you'd have me. Thanks, Bobby. I, I, Like I said when we were chatting uh, before we started here, hope I have something that might be of interest. I think you definitely do. You know, you've been uh, a lobbyist in this state for, for a long time, and it's really a pretty interesting story coming from uh, Tremonton, Utah, which is, uh, I looked at the population today, now, today, it's 8,242. Oh my gosh, you know, somebody must have moved into town. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll, send, we'll, send, we'll send out the welcome wagon. Exactly. So how does someone make their way from that tiny little town, I mean, uh, north of Ogden, I mean, it's pretty close to Idaho, right? And, and find themselves, how, how does that journey kind of begin? Where's that drive you know, come from? You know, it's, it, it's kind of fascinating. Um, I, I, it's my wish not only for you, but literally anybody that's listening or anybody I come in contact with. You know, I consider myself one of the world's luckiest human beings. I found my passion. I found my passion early in life. And I found out, what, out a way to make it work. Uh, so when I was growing up, my father... Um, who was a kind of a prominent uh, business guy in the small town of Tremont was elected to the Utah state legislature. So as a young guy, uh, you know, we'd go down and uh, kind of, you know, make our trek to the big city. And that's kind of where I, I, I kind of saw kind of the fun and excitement of the legislature and politics. And I'd go with my dad to various uh, events and uh, it was just something that excited me. And uh, then, um, I decided uh, when I went to college, I ended up just uh, going over the hill to Logan, to Utah State University. And uh, by luck, uh, I took a political science class and it, it thrilled me. And I said, well, gee, this is, this is what I want to do. And uh, then that summer, uh, I, was, uh, I was invited through one of my father's friends, uh, a former congressman from Utah, a guy that nobody would know, Lawrence Burton to go back and be literally in the first class of interns in Washington, D.C. And so it, what, a, what a great th thrill it was. And while I was there, you know, I ran into these people that were called lobbyists. And I just said, like, gee, uh, you mean I can get my political fix? I can be a vice president of a company? You know, I can eat at really nice restaurants. I can go to play really great golf courses. And, uh, you know, I can go to baseball games and this and that and the other and do all of this. How do I sign up for this deal? Right. And what was, what was kind of fun at the time is uh, a guy named Tom Coralogos from, from Utah. He uh, ended up being, they used to call him the 101st Senator. He and Dick Richards, who ended up being the uh, national uh, chairman of the Republican Party under uh, Ronald Reagan, they kind of took me under their wing. 
and just said, well, gee, Doug, if you want to do this, you ought to go get as much school as you can. Huh. Uh, if you can handle law school, you ought to do it. So that's kind of what I set out to do all the time, thinking that I was going to do what I ended up doing in, uh, in, in Washington, D.C. Right. But uh, what happened is uh, when, I, when I finished college, I was going to go back east to law school, but had a death in the family, so I stayed here. And uh, I went to work, uh, you know, as a very young man, I was kind of the chief deputy in the lieutenant governor's office while I finished law school. And uh, when I graduated, Utah moved to annual sessions of the legislature. And I thought there was a market niche for somebody to kind of engage in the D.C. style practice of law in Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay. Because, uh, and, you know, that there were a whole bunch of companies and corporations that would need, you know, somebody to represent them, but they weren't, you know, but they wouldn't have, they, they didn't have the need for somebody full time. So okay. I sat down with a whole bunch of the, uh, you know, major partners of the Salt Lake law firms and they kind of thought my idea was crazy. And mm -hmm. so uh, I just Why? went out uh, because they didn't understand that, that, that Utah was moving, that it was transitioning. They thought, that the legislature was kind of a backward place that, you know, it only happened, you know, 45 days a year. Mm -hmm. And they, they just didn't think that, you know, the market was ready for it. Right. And now what year, what years were this? So this happened uh, in, in 1978. Okay. Yeah. So long before you were a, a twinkle in your mother's eye. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, back to trying to convince those those people. I mean, it sounds like early on, though, as you're kind of working your way through, that what, what what was that? Where does that drive come from, though? Is that just from your from your dad going to some of those rallies and kind of enjoying the political aspect of it, or what? what I mean, what kind of was it for you that that made it such a uh, passion? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. We all kind of try to figure out where we fit in life. And, you know, I mean, you know, you were the, you were the, you know, the excellent skier. And, and uh, I knew, I knew that I was never going to ski in the Winter Olympics. And, uh, you know, I knew I was never going to play. I mean, I played high school football, but I knew I was never big enough to, 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 to play, you know, the collegiate level. And mm -hmm. so it, it just, it was just one of those things that always fascinated me. I mean, you know how you know how some kids would, would would look at, you know how you you and your dad and others would look at you know tennis players and what was happiness and there for me it was just it was political races it was elections it was election nights it was you know who was serving where who was doing what I, I don't know it, it was just like this big fun you know political monopoly table that uh, you got to see and experience right. And then you thought to, to be able to have a, a, a little bit of, of influence there. So take me back, 78, you're starting to come up with this idea and, and everyone tells you you're crazy. So does that mean, I mean, uh, personally, are you feeling like, all right, I'm probably on to something if, if no one agrees with me? It probably sounds like it might be a good idea to keep, keep trying. Oh, I don't know. Some, sometimes it's just dumb luck, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but, but uh, I, I decided that I, you know, set out my own shingle and go practice law. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I just you know started reaching out to people, seeing if they had any interest in my representing them. I mean, my very first client in this arena was NFIB, National Federation of Independent Business. I mean, they paid me a whole seven hundred and fifty dollars a month. Okay, but you know, but but I thought that was enough. And uh, mm -hmm. 
what happened is I started, uh, we had a Democratic governor at the time. Can you imagine that? A Democratic I, governor in Utah? I can uh, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, a great guy, Scott Matheson, Stanford-trained lawyer, just a, a wonderful human being, a great governor. But uh, I became very close to uh, the legislative leadership in the House Republican Party in particular. And mm-hmm. uh, the then Speaker of the House is a guy named Jim Hansen. He ended up being elected to Congress, was there for 22 years. And then the, his majority leader was a guy named Norm Banger, And Norm had kind of talked about running for governor. And so in 1984, I ran Norm's campaign. Okay. Uh, he was he was elected governor of the state of Utah, the first Republican in 20 years. And is that was and, that your first time running a campaign? I've been first involved, time kind of going going through that process. I had always been interested and been involved in campaigns. Okay. And I'd always had a goal to end out to run a big major campaign. Right. And uh, and so when one of my pollster buddies, Dan Jones, just said, "Hey, you know, you know, Norm would like you to do this," I jumped at the chance. And uh, it, it, it was fun. I mean, you know, since then, I, I've been involved, you know, kind of either as a senior strategist or chairman of, you know, pretty much every governor's campaign in Utah, mm-hmm. almost all of them successful, uh, you know, was kind of the chairman of Orrin Hatch's last campaign, Governor Herbert's last campaign, and on and on and on. And uh, so it's been, you know, so uh, being involved in elections has kind of been something that's I've been passionate about. In fact, my law partner and I, Frank Pignanelli, for the last 13 years, we've taught a campaigns and elections class at the University of Utah, which is one of the most popular, if not the most popular, you know, courses offered at the university. We teach it fall semester, and kids get involved in campaigns. We've made it practical. We've made it hands-on. Right. Uh, you know, we we invite we invite people who are you know. Uh, subject matter experts, whether it's in fundraising, whether it's in, uh, whether it's in strategy, whether it's in, you know, get out the vote on and on and on. And so it, it, that's been a fun experience. So the, the campaign work, even though it's really been more of a hobby, mm-hmm. it's just been something that's always fascinated me. Right. No, it's just, I mean, it's, it's one of those things and it's great that you're, I think spreading some of that awareness. Cause I mean, I look back on like school that I've gone, gone through and everything else. And it's definitely not one of those things like really knowing what a lobbyist is or being able to actually pass that legislation and stuff like that. So to be able to kind of gain and, and have a little bit more of an understanding, um, you know, I think especially when you're a younger person, you don't really like want to know the topics. I mean, I feel like it's pretty much like, your parents will talk about it every now and again. And that's kind of how you're, you know, most of the households are based off of their parents, you know, uh, political views, right. It's kind of how the kids kind of, until they really what go off to school and then they kind of get a little bit of their own idea of, of some of the issues and start to pay attention a little bit more. Yeah. The, 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 obviously, you know, discussions around the dinner table and mm-hmm. which are very important, you know, they, they shape our initial thinking and, you know, we may stay with that thinking or we, we may come to a different conclusion than those of our parents. Sure. And, uh, but, you know, um, really what I end up doing is, uh, is I'm a problem solver. And uh, we're kind of at the intersection where public policy, the law, business, and politics kind of all come together. And it, it's always fun. It's always unique. And you, you never know, you know, all of a sudden who's going to reach out to you that, you know, has either got a problem or wants to, to see if they can get something done. 
I mean, so, look, we're all, we're all lobbyists, Bobby. You don't realize <laughs> it. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, you lobby, you lobby Avatar, she lobbies you, your dad sure. tries to you know, do things, this and that, the other. I right. mean, you know, whether, you know, whether it's the ski team, the Park City ski team, whatever the case may be, you know, mm-hmm. your bowling league or your tennis club or whatever the case may be. I mean, we're all lobbyists, you know. The yeah. question is, you know, how do we do it? And, you know, can we do it with some finesse and, you know, we have a fairly good success record and anyway. Right. Right. So being able to be that problem solver, I mean, what, what are on a daily basis, how how do you kind of prioritize what, what you need to take care of each day? Like what helps you kind of keep your eye on the prize? You know, uh, long years ago, I I read a book uh, by a guy named uh, Dr. Maxwell Maltz. It was called Psycho Cybernetics. And, And in this book, kind of the gist of the book is, is if you have a problem or something that needs to be solved, you kind of subject it to your subconscious. And then when you awake in the morning, uh, oftentimes, you know, whether it's whether you're exercising or in the shower or whatever, all of a sudden, you know, an answer or a solution will come to you. And Mm so kind of, kind of what I do every night is I kind of review uh, in my mind you know, who has what problems, who has what issues. And then in the morning, you know, after I awake, I'll kind of sit down and say like, okay, you know, for X, what about, you know, we do this, you know, for Y on and on and on. So in some way, and so in some ways, I mean, I kind of let, I kind of let my mind help me out. And in some ways, in, I think in both a conscious and subconscious way it happens, I don't know if that makes any sense and if it sounds silly, but no, for, makes some reason, for some reason, it, it seems to work for me. Right. So how much, how much reading do you get in? I mean, it's not, I, it oh, sounds I, like. I, listen, the only person that may rival me is, is a reader is your dad. But uh, uh, I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't but, know about but, that. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm a dinosaur. I, I read newspapers. I am a voracious reader of newspapers. You know, okay. I read the New York Times. I read the uh, the Wall Street Journal. I'll I'll go through what's going on. You know, the Boston Herald, L.A. Times, Washington Post. Read the local newspapers, uh, and I I try to I try to get through a book or two, or maybe even three a week. Three so, books uh, a week? Well, it depends. I mean, you know, sure. if, if I don't have to color in them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, look, there's there there's some books that are you know that are slogs. Right. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, but then there are others that are relatively quick reads. And, uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm kind of, I think a lot like you, uh, and I know your dad's that way. I'm always interested in what others are reading and kind of if, you know, if somebody's found something that's interesting. Sure. How, but so, I mean, even if you read like a book a week, I mean, I try to get in a book a month. I've been trying to do better, uh, Which especially is good. doing like Which some audio audio books and stuff like that. Cause I feel like sometimes I can't have time to get to everything, but I mean, how do you process that information? Right. Cause I feel like sometimes when you go through and read that book, you, you, you know, I know a lot of people just like doze off and they, they're not getting that information. in. I mean, I feel like, can that be hard if you're doing like a, a book a week to be able to really uh, retain that information? Well, you know, a lot of it depends on the nature of the book. Okay. Uh, I mean, I mean, for instance, uh, yeah, if it's a history or a biography or something, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's certain elements that you don't need to remember, but the question is, is, you know, what factors or what influences or, you know, what critical conclusions, you know, does that individual, you know, come to, or you come to right. that's beneficial. And to me that, you know, that that's the most important thing. It isn't whether you remember all the, the drivel and all the, you know, all the trivia that's, you know, located there within. Gotcha. So kind of through, I mean, you've been a part of all those campaigns and, and we talked a little bit about what that drive is. I mean, who, who would you say are some of those people that really mentored you and kind of, kind of helped you along the way? Well, you know, it, it, it is fascinating. I mean, you know, former U S Senator Bob Bennett, great mentor, great friend for uh, Dick Richards, uh, former Utah lawyer, uh, you know, great, great mentor, great friend. Dan Jones, prominent Utah pollster, great mentor, great friend. Norm Banger, former governor, great mentor, great friend. Uh, guy named Doug Sontag, former legislator, uh, lobbyist extranor. They, they kind of took me under their wing. Okay. And they taught me a lot. And so really one of the le- you know, lessons in life, Bobby, that I learned is there were a whole, people that, whole bunch of people who were really good to me that had no reason be good mm-hmm. to me. So, you know, kind of my life lesson on that is you pay it forward. So, sure. I mean, what I've always tried to do with young men and young women is kind of, you know, be a resource and to mentor. And, you know, I always hire a whole bunch of interns, you know, to work for me. We try to work with them to either get into law school or go to one professional school, find them a job. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, just because it's it's not only is it rewarding, but you know people have done it to me, and and you know that they will go on and do it for for others. And so, irrespective of whether it's my profession or your what you do or others, you know, I just think I just think you know you you pay you pay things forward. Right. No, definitely, definitely, kind of kind of makes sense. It sounds like you've had a lot of a uh, lot of help uh, along the way, for sure to kind of be able to create the path that you've, you've been able to have so far. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, people were really nice to just some nerdy kid. What can I say? (laughs) Well, I mean, to try to, I mean, when, when you're in those situations, uh, how, how do you absorb that kind of information Whether you're trying to pass a new bill or you're having new interactions? I mean, what, what, is, what is that process kind of like when you're trying to, to really lobby for, for changes? Well, so, so what you do, you, you go through this exercise, and, and, and what you do is, you know, the first, the first question you, you, know, you have to ask yourself, you know, is, is what someone wants, is it reasonable? And okay. is it doable? And, uh, you know, for instance, I mean, I've had people that have wanted to offer me a whole bunch of money to do things that were not doable. And I've told them they weren't doable and they paid a lot of money to, you know, some of my competitors and found out that they weren't doable. Right. I mean, like paramutual betting or whatever the case may be. So, so the first question you have to ask yourself, is it doable? And then this next question you have to ask yourself, you know, is this something I'm comfortable in doing? Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, you know, I made a decision early on that there were certain things that I wasn't going to do. And so, you know, uh, it, it makes life a lot easier, you know, because you, you kind of, and then 
there are other things. I mean, you don't really care about one way or the other. Sure. So you, 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 you say, is it doable? Is it achievable? And then you kind of have to go through the mental exercise. Okay. What are the compelling reasons that this should happen? Mm-hmm. Then you have to sit down and say like, okay, uh, who would be opposed to what is being proposed? What would their arguments would be? How would you counter their arguments? Then you have to sit down and say, okay, you know, who is it that would, you know, might be interested and might be passionate about sponsoring something like this? You know, who are my allies? Sure. sure. And, uh, you know, in, in, you know, who do I need to talk to and what do I need to do? Right. So that, you know, that, you know, it's a, it, 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 it's, it's a process where, you know, you, you, you have to gain a lot of information, but the thing that, that I've also figured out, Bobby, mm-hmm. is that I know a little bit about a few things, but, you know, the people that I deal with are experts in, you know, that which they do. Right. So, right. so what I have to do is I have to figure out whether or not that person who has approached me, whether or not she or he would be a presentable and would be a, a good spokesperson, or if I need to find someone else. And, you know, that's sometimes, you know, kind of hard to tell somebody that they maybe aren't the, the right face or the right person or the right voice. Sure. Uh, but, but then what, what we do is it's not like I am articulating what they're doing, but we refine their arguments. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then what we do is we guide them through a process of meeting and talking with people and what you kind of do is, it's kind of like prepping, you know, witness, mm-hmm. you, you know, you kind of prep them about what they need to say and how they should say it. And then, you know, if all of a sudden there's certain pieces of information that they're omitting or all of a sudden, you know, you feel it's kind of necessary, you kind of butt in and kind of say what you need to say, but it's, uh, okay. you know, in, 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 in some ways it, 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 it's like uh, a lot like trial prep. Right. I mean, how long does that process, I mean, it sounds like it's a very long process to be able to get to just not only gather the information, but to be able to come up with that prep and, and everything else. I mean, it sounds like it's quite, a, quite an ordeal. Well, the thing of it is, is, you know, kind of like you and others, I mean, I'm competitive. I don't like to lose. Sure. And, and if I'm going to do something, I want to talk to people, you know, but you also, you know, get your bill drafted and get into the system so the bureaucracy doesn't kill Right. Sounds like it's a lot. Sounds like it's a a lot of work. I mean, what's the, I mean, what's the fun part that you enjoy most about going through and kind of creating all that process? You know, I mean, is it, is it just the competitive of you want to be so prepared that uh, you've kind of thought about all the different possibilities or outcomes and and you're ready for whatever that may be? Is, is, is that what it does for you? Well, there's a lot of thrills Uh and, uh, First and foremost, it's 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 the thrill of closing the deal or getting the deal to right, you know, right. uh, and, and then and then what it is is you want to anticipate as many problems as possible so you're not surprised. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously there there are surprises, but in the end, you know you you know whether you're going to win or lose. Because right. it all comes down to, you know, there's a simple rule in, in Utah. It's called the rule of, you know, 15, 
have to get 15 votes in the Senate, have to get 38 votes in the House, we get, have to get the governor to go along and not sign it or agree not to at least veto a bill. Right. So right. You know, it, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty simple math, you know what I'm saying? 1538 so, one. Yeah, yeah. So, what are some of the uh, the unique qualities that you would say that you have? I mean, for just from what we've chatted about so far, I mean, it seems like you're able to uh, absorb just a, a ton of information and also, you know, be cognizant of kind of what's going on around you for a certain situation to be able to kind of read people and, and, and stuff like that. So uh, probably one of the best legislators I ever dealt with is a guy named Mike Dinkins from Price, Utah. He was in the legislature for 40 years. 40 years, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, second, second longest serving member. And he was really good. But Mike knew how to read people. And one day he looked at me and he goes, Doug, you've played a lot of cards, haven't you? I said, yeah, but why do you say that? And he said, because you know how to read people. And part of it, part of it is, is what you have to do is you have to predict human behavior. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like, okay, you know, somebody BSing me or somebody really, you know, playing me along or, you know, really won't they do this? And you know what I'm saying? So, so part of it is it's not only doing the situational analysis, but, you know, people being bombarded with so many issues, you know, for 85, 90% of the people. And then what you do, is you spend a lot of time with a small handful of people so that they are totally prepped so that when the bill comes to a committee or goes on the floor, that when people start raising questions, they're capable of answering those questions. In the old days, when I first started, you know, they used to let me go on the floor of the House and Senate and I could stand by the bill sponsor when they were so when, when, what are some of those like most exciting moments of, of prep? I mean, is it, is it the win at the end? Oh, heck yes. When it comes to you, are you a person who would uh, love to win or hate to lose? Ooh, that, Bobby, is a really good question. <laughs> I am a terrible loser, and I love to win, yeah. and I'm competitive as can be, and I don't think you know anything about being competitive. Ho, ho. Uh, but, but uh, I want to, I, 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 I'm always willing to put, put my uh, batting average up against anybody's. And, sure. you know, and if my batting yeah. every, average ever slips, then I guess it's time for me to move on. Right. No, I, lo- I love that. I uh, love that kind of attitude. Attitude is everything, right, Doug? <laughs> uh, well, I'll tell you, if it isn't everything, it's almost everything. Yeah, yep. no question. Yeah. So are, uh, what, what kind of keeps that enthusiasm and drive for you? As you say, like you start to slip a little bit um, and maybe like move on, right? I mean, you, you've been in, in, in the game for, for such a while. I mean, I know what you were kind of uh, extremely influential in overseeing the uh, 150th uh, anniversary of the Transcontinental uh, Railroad that they celebrated last summer, right? Yeah, yeah. Boy, what a fun ex- what. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, you always have to find things that are interesting and challenging, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I mean, it, it 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 makes life interesting. But but the nice thing about what I do, and I really feel badly for people who have to do the same thing again day in and day out. But you know, I mean, but always meeting interesting people, new ideas, new issues, new challenges, and. Uh, you know, so far it's it stays fresh. Right. 
Now, have you, like for you personally, did you ever have an issue kind of getting out of your comfort zone? Because I mean, it seems like from, from what we've talked about so far, I mean, you're definitely not afraid to go out and, and take some of those risks and kind of go out and, and experience those uh, kind of uh, life experiences that you, that you get along the way, right? Going to DC, I mean, that's got to be a pretty big transition for uh someone that's just like small town small 18 town. yeah 18 18 years old i mean it was yeah, yeah I mean, get, getting thrown into a totally different world but you know but uh but what is life all about it's about meeting new people and you know and having new experiences sure and uh you know uh, as, as you probably know i mean traveled the world been to over 140 countries but you know to me it's it's it, it's always it's always what's the next adventure, whether yeah. it's adventure in life, whether it's adventure in your profession or whatever the case may be. So just your, your attitude towards that is just kind of being open and, and wanting to get those new experiences and those, and those. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, 140 countries, that's crazy. That, uh, well, that well there, there, there are hundred, there are 186 countries that are recognized and 10 in dispute. Bobby, I'll tell you, you know, I'd go to every one of them and I think your friend of mine, Brad call would too. Yeah. Doug Wren. Right. If, if they, if they were safe, dude, I'd go to every one of them. Every one of them. So what's, I mean, 140 countries. So what a lot, what are the, some of the, some of the favorites, what are some of the, those crazy you know, life experiences? I mean, I got to hear yeah, some of the, the, well, you know, I mean, I mean like, you know, who other than Brad Collin, Doug Fox, who would go to the North pole, you know, and <laughs> you know, fly, fly into a Russian military camp and, you know, stay in a bit, you know, in an ice hut, and, you know, go in, go into the, the North pole. But, but really, some of the most fun experiences have been those where you're kind of off the grid, right. you know, you know, whether it's going to crazy places in Guyana or, you know, or, you know, or, or, you know, going swimming off the coast of Antarctica or, you know, or, you know, having the thrill of, you know, summiting Mount Kilimanjaro or whatever the case may be, you know, I mean, it's, it, 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 it it's, 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 it's not your traditional Disneyland type experiences. And look, yeah. and I have nothing against Disneyland, but, but in some ways, it's it's doing things that are that are different and unique. Right. How much does that change your perspective on life? Like as you talk about, you know, you go, you've been to all those places. I mean, that's got to. Does that help put things in perspective, or does that kind of keep that that drive going for you, and just that want for for more? Well, you know, you know, you visit various countries that you think you know, are going to be oppressive and this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, you know, going into Cuba before Cuba was open or going like to Bolivia or, you know, or Colombia or whatever the case may be. And what you find out is, you know, countries' leaders mm-hmm. may, be, may be oppressive, they may be authoritarian, but most people are really good, decent people. And, you know, and, you know, they care about themselves. They care about their children, their grandchildren. They want them to have a good life, a better life than they've had. And, uh, you know, what you find out is in the end, you know, whether you're in Greenland or, you know, the former Soviet Union or Uzbekistan or wherever the case you go, is pretty much we all kind of have the same interest. And that is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a love of family. It's wanting your family to have, you know, more experiences and opportunities to you and for them to have a better life. And, and the problem is, is in some ways you just wish 
governments would get out of their way yeah right. uh, so that so that people wouldn't have to you know live under these oppressive regimes and and you know that they could be free to do whatever they they want to do right so what are what are some of those 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 favorite uh countries that you've tried like what are what are some that i i need to absolutely check off the list well i you think have my I wheels think, turning 140 i mean i i don't know if i, I can hit that many i think you would love mongolia Okay. And in, in, in Mongolia during the summer, they have an autumn festival. It's where they ride horses and they do all sorts of crazy things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for you, an adventurer, I mean, you know, the, you know, the places, you know, you go like uh, Nepal and, you know, or Bhutan or, or other places like that. You know, I mean, th- those are the places that, uh, that I think would intrigue you. Right. And, yeah, uh, but, you know, but I, I look at various countries and in in some ways, you know, you, you go to a country and all of a sudden, if you come away pleasantly surprised, you go like, wow, I had no idea. Yeah. Like, for instance, Morocco, you know, one of the most intriguing places I've been. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I look at Namibia and other places, you know, and I, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's always the sense of the new adventure, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it's fun. Yeah. Have you been to every state? Have you hit everyone here? I've been to every state. And every this state. year I was going to fulfill my goal of visiting every province in Canada. Okay. But uh, COVID kind of got in my way. Uh, been to every country in South America, Central America, North America. Been to all of the you know, island nations of the Caribbean. Wow. Uh, been to every country in Europe. Uh, you know, kind of had a goal that I was going to, you know, uh, I, 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 I was, I was going to visit every island nation in the Indian ocean, mm-hmm. but a year ago, last Christmas, uh, all of a sudden, you know, the bubonic plague broke out in Madagascar. So wow. it kind of threw, threw, threw the, you know, threw that, you know, off. But then, uh, I had hoped next year, you know, that I would visit every island nation in the Pacific ocean, but, uh, you know, that was been put off for a year or two. So, so, anyway. so that, that love to travel, I mean, did that really come from when you're 18, going to DC, getting these new experiences and stuff like that? Like, wow, I kind of want to get more of this. I want to get exposed to what else the world has to offer. You know, really, really what was, what it was as, as, as a young man, you know, we used to have a, an atlas that used to be on the top shelf in the entry hall closet. and I'd get a stool and pull it down and look at maps and and I don't know, I always just dreamed about visiting places. And, boy, I never thought I'd be lucky enough to see or do what I've done. Yeah, but uh, so, so it, was, it was really, it was really Bobby uh, as a young man looking at maps. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Getting some of those. So, so what's the, what's the uh, airline of choice? What's the way to go? Oh, I was, Delta, can, can, it's can Delta I, for can, me. Well, can I tell you, the airline of choice, if it were still around, would be Pan Am. Pan because Am. you know, I mean, it, it flew everywhere or British Airways. Mm-hmm. But but look, you live in Salt Lake City, you know. Thank heavens we have a Delta hub, oh, yeah. and you know, you know, over three million miles on Delta. And uh, thank you, Delta, for you know <laughs> take, taking me a whole bunch of places that you know that I've wanted to go, and maybe some I shouldn't have gone to. Yeah, no, Delta, Delta definitely was. Uh, I've I've always enjoyed my my experiences with them. So they have a. Uh, a loyal customer, I should say. Well, you know, <laughs> look, look, uh, I, I think Utah, we're really lucky because number one, we have skiing, you know, something that yeah. you're passionate about that, which brought you really your dad and, 
you know, your parents out to, you know, out to Utah from New York. But really, when you think that Larry Lee, the former president of Western Airlines, took the gamble and moved Western's hub from L.A. to Salt Lake City, and then the fact that Western was acquired by Delta, I mean, you know, other word, you know, otherwise, I mean, it would be like Albuquerque or Boise or Reno or something else. But yeah. to have that Delta hub here, and then literally to have the new expanded Salt Lake International Airport here, you know, going to start, you know, adding more flights, you know, to, you know, abroad, especially to Asia and other places. I mean, yep. we're so lucky we live where we live. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it, it, your perspective, I'm just curious, your perspective on the amount of, of growth that's just happening here. I mean, every day, every year, it just seems to be ever, ever changing. I'm sure the, the political landscape for you, since you've kind of gotten into it to, to now, just has to be astronomically different. Well, yeah, because I mean, what, what's happened, Bobby, is, you know, we've moved from really a communal society to a mass society. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, there was a time where most communities, I mean, you know, they, they kind of had a, their own, you know, hierarchy and political structure and, you know, they would elect uh, representatives to kind of go to Salt Lake to represent their interests. But now with reapportionment cases and everything else, I mean, you know, who, you know, I mean, do you really, how many people do you really know? Do you know what I'm saying? And when you got, and when you got, you know, legislative district, you know, 60,000 people, same district over 140,000. I mean, you know, it's, it, you know, life has become far more impersonal in the, in the state. Of Utah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely, definitely seems that way. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of big, big ticket uh, issues and items. I know one of my good friends is definitely, uh, he's just getting uh, his, his toes wet in the lobbying world and uh, protect our winners. I know he's been doing, doing some stuff uh, with them and try to get some of those things going. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of big ticket issues, especially everything that's going down with uh, Escalante down South and, and uh, a lot of the, you know, the ski mountains. I mean, there's definitely a lot of uh, issues that um, are building here in the state to say the least. Well, look, you know, I mean, um, a lot of people look at the great Salt Lake and, you know, you, you probably put a lot of signs at Salt Lake International Airport when you enter from Nevada or Evanston, Wyoming to say, you know, you know, visit, but don't swim in it. But <laughs> look, you know, we need to protect the great Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and if, if I if I owned a ski resort, which I'm not lucky enough to own, but uh, you know, the, you know, yeah, but the, but the like effect in what happens, I mean, and also the environmental degradation that would happen if all of a sudden the lake continues to dry up. Mm -hmm. Look at the RLC and other places. I mean, we've got some issues. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, uh, you know, you've got a whole bunch of of, of, of people in. Uh, rural Utah, their lives are difficult and, uh, you know, and then you've got a whole bunch of people from the Wasatch Front and from the world that want to come and recreate. You've got a whole bunch of public lands and, yep. you know, those issues are going to continue to be divisive and, but over time, you know, they're going to change because, you know, the overwhelming majority of people live in the Wasatch Front yep. and, and, you know, uh, Things will change. I mean, I, I, look, I look at what happens uh, in the upcoming presidential election. Right. Uh, if, if all of a sudden Joe Biden is elected president, uh, I would 
I would be amazed if all of a sudden the original borders of you know Grand Staircase just ran along and expanded. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, on and on and on and on, and you know, we'll continue to have you know the friction between you know you know those who you know want kind of life as they view it, and those who you know, want things different. Yeah. I mean, how much how much has that changed in the last few years? Just the there the the gap now is so wide and it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, one one day, you know, Ed Abbey shows up for dinner. And, uh-huh. you know, Ed, you know, Ed writes the monkey, monkey wrench came on and on and on. And here was, you know, here was the character who was Bishop Anderson in, in his book, you know, but you had two guys that had dinner together regularly and drank coffee together, this and that and the other, mm-hmm. and they agreed to disagree. The problem today is I, I just think that, that these competing voices are shouting, you know, at others, but people aren't listening. And, and I don't know, somewhere along the line, you know, di- you know dialogue has to, has to occur and take place. Right. I mean, what do you think is going to be those, the, the main way to make that happen? I mean, if everyone's just shouting at each other, it seems like they don't really want to actually sit down and have a cup of coffee and, and be able to, to discuss it. Well, look, you, you look at the growth projections in Utah, Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the state will almost double in size, and most of that growth will be in, along the Wasatch Front. And I think that will change the dynamic of politics as we know it, at least on the rural versus urban issues, because people want to move here for one reason, and they want to move here to recreate, mm-hmm. whether it's you know in the Alpine Meadows or whether it's in the Red Rock Desert. And the other thing is, is I think people, even though they don't want to admit it, they like public lands because all of a sudden, if, if you don't have the public lands and, you know, uh, you, you've, what you've seen is you've seen a whole bunch of, you know, major entities and corporations come in and buy ranches and this and that and the other, mm-hmm. and they basically shut off access to, you know, all but a handful of people. So, you know, I, I mean, you look, you know, you look back to President Ronald Reagan and others, Sagebrush Rebellion, and, you know, let's turn this ground over to the states and local communities and sell it on and on and on. That's never going to happen. So yeah. some, some, you know, somewhere along the way, we've got to figure out how we can all peacefully coexist, you know, excuse me, <coughs> what really is, what really is, you know, wilderness sorry, what isn't, and, what areas should be developed and shouldn't be developed, you know, and, 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 that, you know, that's, that, that's going to, that's going to take a lot of patience and sort of going to require leadership. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Silicon slopes and, and the growth. I mean, just since, since I've been here in park city, Heber, Salt Lake, I mean, so much has, has changed just in the last 10 years, let alone since the Olympics. I mean, after the Olympics yeah. have really started to take off. It's crazy, especially if we, you know, decide to, uh, we get the bid and I think what, 2030 is what they're shooting for, for the Winter Olympics? Uh, yeah. Look, it, it's not if we get the bid, it's when we get the bid. That's true. Definitely. Definitely true. So, but I mean, and then I just imagine, uh, you know, the, with the airport growing and, and all that, I mean, we, we're going to have more and more uh, people coming in, which I guess 
could be uh, is is a good problem to have that people love love the state, but it definitely uh, means there's a lot of changes along the way, right? Well, you know, it, it, it's kind of like somebody was uh, telling me about a sign, you know, in, in Montana: "Come visit, but don't stay." <laughs> exactly, that's a good. <laughs> one. If, you, it, 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 if you stay, you know, leave your leave your values, you know, where you know exactly where you came from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so. I mean, looking back, because you, you know, no, nobody bats a thousand. You do have those losses kind of along the way. And um, what, what kind of helps you uh, get through some of those failures? Because I feel like, uh, you know, as we've discussed, you're a very competitive guy. You like to win, um, don't like to lose. But, but what, what do you take away from some of those losses that kind of create that perseverance that, that have really helped you to reach greater success? Well, I, look, I think, I think you've learned this, you know, as a very young man, but you learn more from your losses than you learn from your victories. Because you always go back and you analyze, you know, what if I had done X? Uh, I should have anticipated Y. Uh, you know, how could have I changed the result? And so, I th- you know, it makes you better. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the problem is, is, you know, there's the old political, uh, you know, axiom, you know, you're all, you know, what have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. You're only as good as your last deal. You can't lose too many, but, uh, yeah. but, you know, but, but when, when you do lose, you, you better learn or you're going you're gonna to lose a lot more. Right. So definitely learn, learn from, from those mistakes and kind of figure out keeping that head down and, and working forward. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it pretty easy for you to get over a loss? Like you kind of, stew on it for a few days to get your takeaways and then, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to generally from this. Generally that's what happens. And, but then every every now and then all of a sudden, you know, something will dawn on you like, Oh, but yeah. But look, I don't, I don't know. uh, I don't know, you know, who, who told me this, but you know, but it's, it was pretty good advice, you know, you know, look back, but never stare. Look back, but never stare. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, because look, I mean, you know, the past is the past you've got the present and the future. And so, you know, learn, learn, learn from the past, but you know, move on. Right. You got to move on. You got to be able to, to move quickly for sure. So, so people that, you know, kind of want to get into to politics or, or pass some legislation and, and become a lobbyist. I mean, what are some, what are some words of wisdom you would have for them or kind of some, some advice that, that would help them? Move well, look, 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 I mean, I, I think, uh, thank heavens you have uh, places like the Hinkley Institute of Politics, the University of Utah and others. Um, you've got internships. Uh, it used to be, I used to hire, you know, kind of the top pre-law students at the University of Utah and uh, Utah State University, you know, to work for me. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, you know, I started hiring people who had worked, you know, as a legislative intern because they kind of knew the process, especially those who were involved in leadership. So so get involved. Uh, get involved in the campaign. Uh, you know, learn to meet people because uh, part of it is is knowledge, is process. And it's knowing people and kind of, you know, knowing, you know, who makes what decisions and, you know, how you can influence them. Right. 
Makes, makes a lot of sense. I mean, how, how difficult is it for, because I feel like there's, uh, especially nowadays, that culture of always wanting to be right. And always, especially with my, I mean, my generation, it's always, you know, you say one wrong thing or it goes out on Twitter, Twitter then, you know, you're eating those words for breakfast and you're getting shamed and, and everything else. So, I mean, how, how can you learn without kind of making those mistakes, right? You kind of have to have those along the way. You have to have a little bit of, of missteps, uh, right? Sure, sure, sure. You have to have missteps. But, you know, if you make a mistake, admit it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and apologize and apologize quickly. Yeah. Be on the topic quickly. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Don't let it fester. Don't let it fester. So um, books that I need to make sure I I get that I need to read. What are what are some what are some new ones that you've kind of you would recommend? Ooh. That, uh, if you get a top top ten, top five. Not you don't have well, to give me just one. You can give me a few. Well. Uh, I have to tell you, I thought uh, Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow was great. Ronan Farrow, uh, you know, was at NBC. Uh, he was on to the whole, you know, Harvey Weinstein sexual harassment issues. Okay. Uh, in, uh, NBC wouldn't let him do it. I finally wrote a, 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 an article in The New Yorker. But uh, very, 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 very well done. Um, uh, I love the book Bad Blood. Uh, it's about Bad the whole, th- yeah, about, about the whole Theranos uh, uh, misadventure. Uh, ex- you know, uh, oh, well done. I just uh, finished a book uh, recently. It was called uh, "From Russia with Blood." It was Russia about how really, yeah, it was really about how Putin and and uh, you know the Russian KGB how they started basically killing up all these you know wealthy oligarchs in in, in Britain. Uh, uh, a, a book that was kind of a slog, but I'm glad that I really read. Mm-hmm. It's by David David Berry Jr. It's called, you know, The Great Influenza. And it's kind of the magnum opus of really the Spanish flu. I read that. It's a great book. Yeah. 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 Great book. And uh, I mean, I mean, first of all, I mean, you know, I had no idea about scientific medicine and, you know, really, you know, whether it was the Rockefeller Institute, Johns Hopkins and others. But, uh, you know, but how relevant is that book and with what we're dealing with today? So, anyway. Yeah, no, it's super, super uh, on, on the point, you know, and it's interesting, like, uh, people, and I think it's definitely one of the issues with uh, so, some of our younger generation, and definitely a lot of my friends don't know their history that well, right? And I feel like we lose yeah. it more and more with each generation, but, I mean, uh, we've had to wear masks in the past, during the great influenza, I mean, masks were, you know, it was one of those things that uh, was, this is not the first time we've had to deal with this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, what's fascinating is the other day uh, I was up, uh, I was up fishing with uh, Dr. Po Chang uh, and he's originally from Taiwan, you know, was okay. a professor at the university of Utah. And he goes, Doug, you know, he goes, you know, in Taiwan, there's 33 million people. Do you know how many, you know, cases of COVID-19 we've had? And they go like, I, I don't know. And he goes like 600. And they've had like seven deaths and this and that. And the only two active cases. And so really, wow. I mean, you know, people are doing it right. People are doing it wrong. But I think there are lessons to be learned from history. And that's why I think that David Berry book is just, even though it, you know, it, it takes a while to slog through. Yeah. 
it, it, it's relevant. And I, I'm glad you've read it. And I would hope uh, many, or if not most of your peers, will also read it. Because yeah, it's, it's, well it, it's well worth it. Any, uh, any books uh, for success or that you found quite poignant and, and help, have helped you uh, during your career? Boy, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think some of the stuff that Clayton Christensen has done has been really good. Clayton um, Christensen? Yeah, Clayton recently passed away. He actually had Salt Lake Roots. But, uh, you know, he was probably, he was at Harvard, Harvard Business School. Okay. And, uh, and, and wrote some really, some, some, written some really good stuff. Um, you know, the whole issue of ethics is, is fascinating, Bobby. And it's interesting how ethics has kind of been something that's, you know, now kind of, you know, part of what's been integrated into business schools on and on and on. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, you know, the, the real question is, where do you learn ethics? And, you know, and, you know, and all of a sudden you're a 22 or 23-year-old kid at the University of Utah or Westminster, whatever the case may be, you know, all of a sudden can you learn ethics? But, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'll have to think about that and get back with you on that question. Sure. Uh, yeah, no, so I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm, 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 sorry. I'm sorry I'm not as prepared on that one as I should be. No, <laughs> totally, totally fine. Totally fine. So are you more of a fiction or nonfiction? I read, I don't read very much, much fiction. Yeah. Uh, I, I like, I like good fiction, but you know, to me, to me, life is reality. Right. And uh, you know, whether it's that which is going on in the world or, you know, whether it's been significant people who have, you know, shaped the world for good or bad mm-hmm. or, you know, or historical events, you know, as certain people interpret them, to me, that's I'm far more drawn to that. I love good writing. Sure. Uh, I love I love fiction, but it's probably ten to fifteen percent of what I read. But if if it's really good fiction, send it my way. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't I don't really read any uh, fiction either. I'm pretty much nonfiction. I love a lot of biographies. I'm always a big biography. Uh, yeah. Especially yeah. with competing and everything else, I really enjoyed um, a lot of tennis biographies. Um, and then also some wrestling was always really good because, you know, kind of those individual sports, uh, you know, skiing so unique in that it's you against the hill and, and everything else. So I was really, uh, thought, uh, you know, even when you're, even with tennis and wrestling, I mean, it's an individual sport, but you still have someone kind of across the way. Right. Um, yeah. there definitely some, uh, good parallels you can kind of, uh, take away there. I actually just finished, um, a book, uh, actually audio book that, um, Doug Wren had recommended, uh, when he was on the show and that was, uh, moonwalking with Einstein. Oh yeah. Joshua yeah. Four. yeah. I thought yeah, that yeah. was a, that was a super, uh, super interesting takeaway. I'm trying to work on my, uh, my memory palace. So, well, yeah, I've got, I've actually just got a, uh, a new biography of Yogi Berra and I have to tell you, I'm excited to pick that one up. Yogi Berra. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, for for people kind of out there, what what would be some good takeaways, uh, success wise, that have really um, in, you've ingrained in yourself that you think have really really helped um, lead a successful and fulfilled and just kind of uh, great life that you've had so far? Well, you know, great question, and I think part of it is be willing to experiment. 
um, if, if, there, if there's something that you don't like or you can't see yourself doing, uh, then find something else. I mean, the average person works over 80,000 years in their lifetime. 80, excuse me, 80,000 hours, hours. Yeah. In, in their lifetime. It may seem like 80,000 years. <laughs> to, yeah. So you better find something you like. But also, you know, there are some things that probably should be hobbies or avocations where you really can't make a living. But, you know, try to find something that matches up to, you, to, to your skill set and your passion. And, you know, I, I hope people can find it. And the other thing is always invest in yourself. I mean, you know, I mean, I have a whole bunch of degrees behind my name. And I think that it's always important to learn and continue to learn. And I think, uh, I think uh, you know, investing in education is, is important. So I don't know. Those are some of my takeaways. Gotcha. No, that's great. I really, uh, those, those, are, those are good. Got those written down. I'm going to uh, try, try to continue to be passionate. Continue my passion. Oh, I, 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 I think you will die passionate, Bobby. I think so. I think so. I gotta, fi- I gotta find something to uh, get into uh, politically, though. I gotta find a good, a good cause to get behind because I have not done. Uh, that. You, no, you know what? Uh, you know what? Just keep your eyes open and eyes let open. it find, okay. let, let it find you. Any, I'll let it you find will. Me. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure it will. Yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Foxley, thank you, uh, thank you so much for for taking the time. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, listen, I really, it's, uh, it's been, really it's been. It. It, 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 it's, it's fun being with you. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you yes. soon. Talk to you soon. Anyway, All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thanks a lot for listening in. I really appreciate it. Please make sure to take the time to like, share, and subscribe our show. And also you can follow along on Instagram. Thanks.